Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, podcast listeners. Thanks so much as always, and thank you from our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Dedicated solely to uh, making sure you're not going to get screwed by the insurance companies. That's right. Now, they may not use that language, but I did. They'll document any actions of bad faith by the insurer, and uh, they'll protect your rights and hold the insurance company accountable. That's a good thing. They're not Morgan & Morgan. they got offices throughout the state of Florida. If you file a claim and you don't get back what you think you should, it's not over there. Call the Morgan Law Group. They'll go out and fight for you. Storms, hurricanes, roof damage, lightning, mold, fires, boats, sinkholes, you name it. Give a call today, 888-904-2524, or go to policyadvocate.com. On with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols and pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Simple Headlines, 979 ESPN Radio begins gloriously right now. Ah, oh, the fun we'll have today. Corey Clark, Irish Chappelle with me as always from Warchant.com. This hour brought to you by Register Sausages. Mmm, sausages. Yay, Register. Also, if you look them up, as Ira was just noting, uh, you can find them other Register Meats, I think it is, but we want you to know they're sausages. Yeah, they're focusing on the sausages, and that was probably the best thing, best part of game day. I started my day with the short links for breakfast. They were very, uh, very tasty. Corey has tried out some of the registered sausages. What did you think, buddy? Uh, yeah, I tried out the uh, the smoked sausage. Uh, Ira gave me a huge bag of sausage, by the way. It was pretty sweet. Uh, and Stephanie's going to cook it up for me whenever I ask, because that's how I got it wired. But uh, for breakfast, I had some smoked sausage with some eggs, and it was on point. That stuff was really good. And it was simple. I'll have you know that I cooked some of the smoked sausages for my family. I wanted to be able to weigh in. I wanted to be able to say, I too am enjoying register. Well, now we know you love sausage. How did the, (laughs) what about the family? How did the family deal? What did the family think? Well played. Uh, They loved it. I actually, my dad was in town, guys. I cooked it up for my father. I figured, what better thing to do than to sit down with your dad yeah, over absolutely. some smoked sausages? We did that along with um, both boys. My wife was not home for breakfast on that particular morning. She was out and about. But uh, the Cameron men did well. We we, we, nice. we had a good feast. So there you go. Very cool. Yeah, they're uh, available all throughout the Southeast. Or if you go to Registers Meats, uh, their website, and you can find out their locations and shipping information. But uh, it's great stuff, and it's uh, delicious. It's, it's really the breakfast of champions, and we saw – a championship performance a couple hours later. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, by Jeff okay. Sims. 
Okay, so this was a tough one, guys. This one, I, you know, we've had a lot of practice, a lot of practice talking about losses, talking about how you lose games, the effect it has on your emotions, uh, what you think about uh, the possibilities moving forward after said losses. We really are well-versed in discussing everything post a loss. Uh, and so I think today will be excellent, as always, because this is nothing for us. This is same old, same old. Yeah. The problem is, of course, bitter disappointment only occurs when expectations aren't met. And I don't know that any of us expected this team to be real good this year. In fact, I'm pretty sure we didn't. And we may have alluded to the fact that they're going to have a hard time winning games against a number of teams that they simply won't be able to block. But all three of us did think that they would win this game. But alas, it was not to be. And so I guess I'll start. We've had a little bit more time to digest. You've both written stuff about it on Warchant.com. I've talked about it uh, for three hours yesterday, in fact. Uh, and I've also rewatched it. And I don't know if you guys have, but probably so, to some degree, varying points. Yeah. Um, has there been anything new revealed to you about uh, what happened in this game? Uh, either that disappoints you further, which is entirely possible, or gives you a glimmer of hope. I'm I'm happy to jump in, or Corey, if you've got anything, if you're chomping at the bit. Mm, no, you okay, go ahead. I'm good. Yeah, the the biggest, um, I think the re- biggest revelation to me, um, defensively was, you know, I, I think we, I know they were poorly coached defensively the last couple of years. I mean, that's a fact. That was a that was a poorly coached defense the last couple of years. So I took that as okay, maybe the talent is there maybe the players are there that with better coaching that's going to be unlocked. And I think in some cases that may be the case. You know, I think Asante Samuel played really well. Uh, there might, you know, might, might be a couple of instances where guys played well, but um, I think what we found out is that both things may not be mutually exclusive. They could have been poorly coached and need some better players on that side of the ball. And uh, I did think when you talk about hope, I thought there the young linebacker, Stephen Dix particularly, I mean, that guy needs to be on the field. Even if he's going to make mistakes, he's a linebacker that you want to see play linebacker. He's going to go make – he's going to go seek the ball. He's going to have impact collisions. He's going to deliver force, not just kind of catch guys as they're running by him. Uh, Amari Gaynor uh, is obviously a really good athlete. He was productive. The one thing going back and watching defensively – and I'll let Corey talk about James Blackman. But one thing about watching defensively – Thank I felt you, like, Ira. You, Thank that, you for allowing me welcome. to do that. It's my gift. My gift to you. Uh, I felt like the defense didn't make much of an impact. The defensive line didn't make much of an impact, and that's true. But they did get a surge. They weren't lazy. When I went back and watched it, they got upfield a lot. They just they they didn't work together. And then Jeff Sims was able to beat one guy and find room to either buy a time to to throw or uh, to run. They also did a good job with the quick passing game. So they weren't effective, but I don't feel like – I know a lot of people walked out of that game, and I, I kind of felt like that way at the time, that, man, this defensive line didn't get much of a push. I think they did get a push. It just didn't work together, and there were a lot of seams to work through and work around. That You can work with that. That's, that's a better situation than having Bud Thacker and Kendrick Stewart or whoever where they can't even get a push. These guys can beat blocks. They just didn't work together in unison. So that was one thing I, I found a little bit encouraging. And I think there's some younger guys you could mix in there. So I think there's still hope for the defense. As long as James Blackman's a quarterback, I think uh, things look bleak. And I'll leave that to Corey. Hey, Corey, before you expound on uh, James Blackman or anything else that you want to point out that either 
you feel good about or terrible about. Uh, you got mad at me, man, this offseason when I said there's no way in hell I'd enter a season with James Blackman as my quarterback. And you thought I was overly critical. So keep that in mind as you go ahead and discuss James Blackman. <laughs> well, sure. I, I guess my counter to that would be they didn't really have a choice. Jordan Johnson, Travis didn't practice at I'd all start, in August. I'd start you. Well, I know you say that, obviously. But Chubba Purdy was almost certainly probably going to be their starting quarterback. And my kid, my man uh, falls through glass tables, breaks collarbones, apparently catches COVID, gets an infection in his collarbone, uh, the, the injury after the collarbone, after surgery. He can't stay healthy. So they didn't have a choice. And Jordan Travis didn't practice for two or three weeks. So I... I think moving forward, as those guys get healthy and they keep running James Blackman, if they keep running James Blackman out there, I think that's a fair criticism. Is like, why do you keep doing this to yourself? But yes, he's not very good. He's had three different coaches, four different coordinators. He hadn't been good with any of them. So at some point, it might be him. But I want to go back to the defense real quick. Uh, Miko Dotson didn't play either. Um, we assume yeah, he wasn't on the field, right? No, COVID-related. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't dressed out and uh Hampson didn't play. Uh Jarvis Brownlee didn't play. He was out also. So, so there, those some, are yeah, yeah three th well and I I Jarian Jones to me was I mean you that looked like th that touchdown he gave up to tie the game. It was just what have you been practicing? Like literally he just turns around and runs out of the end well, zone. Uh, the guy the guy shoved him. Well that happens though, right? No, I, I agree. If you're yeah. not Jalen Ramsey, you're not, you're going to you're not going to get that call uh, and he, fight, rough, man. And he day. gave up. He gave up the crossing pattern on third and sixteen, which kind of changed the game uh, because they go down the field and score to make it ten to seven. And if he could turn around and try a block at all, Asante Samuel houses that first interception. So anyway, not a great keep it. Hey, we're not in Starkville anymore, Jarian. We got to start making Florida State type. I guess you could argue those were Florida State maybe, type plays. Yeah, maybe maybe he assimilated. Yeah, he might he might have. Um, so the defense was, Ira brought up a good point about the defensive line. They weren't, the middle isn't terrible. The edges were, they didn't do anything. J-Rob did jack squat, uh, again. And Kando wasn't exactly Peter Bulware before the injury, but I do think he would have made a difference as the game moved on. He, we, it's hard to judge on a quarter. So I, I was disappointed in the defense, even though they only gave up 16 points. The offense, I, at some point, I just throw up my hands and it's like, w w there's nothing else to expect when you throw that guy out there. God love him. There's nothing else to expect. And I don't even care about the interceptions. He threw one. It's all the other nonsense. It's all the other empty drives, roll to your right when you actually have a pocket, pa panicky feet, late on throws, just completely inaccurate with throws over and over and over again. Okay, let me, so let me ask you guys this. Okay, so... I'm glad I got that off my chest. Let's have a show now, guys. All right, now we can move on. Um, but no, I, I do want to kind of, because we can all argue about whether or not, you know, he should have gotten a chance. I think he should have gotten a chance because these coaches hadn't had a chance to see that James Blackman yet. I mean, they could see it on film, but I don't think it's fair to come into a program and, and decide what that guy is going to be in a game if you haven't coached him. You don't know how he was taught. You don't know how he was prepared. And, and to your point, Corey, they didn't have a ton of options. So I get – I think the spring would have been really good for this staff because I think they could have created some more uh, more game-like situations and, and you would have had a spring game. Those things, I think maybe some things would have bubbled up. You only had three practices. So – and, you know, he does have some excuses. He's been in three different systems, four different systems, all that. 
So you give him the chance, but now that they've seen how he handles a game, and you could argue they did see him in the bowl game, um, which they did. They did see him in the bowl game. They were hired by that point. Um, but I get the idea of giving him a chance. The problem now, and I, and I think some of the players may have wanted to see how James did with this coaching staff. The problem is when you see all of the same problems that we've seen in the past, I don't know how you go into games moving forward. This is a serious question. This isn't to rip James or say, you know, you can't, you know, you have no value, but I don't know how you look at the rest of your team and say, we're putting him back out there and you need to play at your best level because he gives us a chance to win. I don't know how you sell that to your team. Yeah. We'll never know if Chubba Purdy was going to be their starter or not. Um, because, you know, there were indicators that he may not have been picking up the offense as quickly as they would have needed him to when he did get here. Like you said, Corey, he gets hurt right away also. So uh, we'll, we'll never know. I, I would like to believe that, that they would have decided that he they would he'd have been their guy. Um, Tate Rodemaker is on the team and does throw a yep. nicer ball. Uh, he is an option, by the way. I, I, it's, he's an option I would start against Miami. A brutal thing to do to a kid, but I would. Um, and I, I, I just – you can't keep rolling James out there. And, uh, you know, Ira, you make valid points. Uh, I, I, we could argue about it all day. All of us could. I, I think there's there's nuance to that discussion. I would agree with that. I He's broken. James is broken. Whatever good was in there died a long time ago. And a lot of that has little to do with him. It's unfortunate. But, man, he's been seeing ghosts for a long time. He's been late with the football for a long time. He's been rat trapping forever and a day. And it's it all came back. The second thing started to go wrong, when they got off script, he was done. And the few times that he did make throws, his uh, receivers were terrible. Terrible. That, to me, was, along with the defensive ends, the most yeah. bitterly disappointing aspect of this football game. Uh, I understand Samorian Terry's probably very emotional, given the circumstances he was playing with. That's unfortunate. Uh, but, you know, you can't drop that pass. If you catch that pass and score, the game's probably over. Uh, so he had a chance to make a play, and he couldn't make it. And then, of course, Warren Thompson, we talked about before the season. We talked about during practices, and we talked about being curious as to how he would respond uh, given this added responsibility. Well, okay, have a seat. We're done. Uh, he, he can't catch. Uh, it's ridiculous to watch him play. I get annoyed every second he's out there. So I don't know. Uh, they, they, they've learned a lot in one game. Maybe that's the positive. They learned a lot that a lot of the kids they trusted, you got to sit them down and go all youth movement. Well, What's the point of doing anything else? Go all youth movement. Yeah, and I, and I don't know that they trusted them. I think they're maybe giving them an opportunity. You know, the, the one thing I would say, uh, Corey, about the you talked about the Jarring Jones play. On the other side of the ball, they had, that same receiver made plays. That catch on the third down on the sideline was – an incredible catch. I mean, it was a very athletic yeah. uh, guy. I mean, it was just a very impressive play. He went and got the ball. He made a play and on the touchdown, he shoved him out of the way, made the play on the ball. Florida state's receivers. Not only did they not make the extra plays, they didn't make the routine plays. So that's why, what I kind of was after the game was like, man, they're not special at running back clearly, Ooh. but at least those guys will, I think they'll, they'll, they'll get the yards that the play gets them. They're not going to get you any extra yards. I really feel like this backfield to me, these guys look like the running backs Jimbo and Harry. You know, you know the Ty Jones, you know Jermaine Thomas. Yeah, not they're, very special at all. Yeah, they're going to get you the yards that the play designs you to get. 
maybe make one guy miss, maybe get a few extra yards here or there, but they're not special. But at least they'll get you those yards. These receivers won't even get you, at least on game one, we'll see. I was going to say, not even I, I, would, the, I would slow the, it down with all of it. With game, well, It is one game. Uh, one of those guys at receiver has proven he can make plays, even with James Blackman throwing him the ball. He dropped one pass. He, he gets more benefit of the doubt than the other guy. He does. He's dropped but two he also, passes in one start. But Tamorian's not the guy that you thought he was going to be, Corey. He's just not. I mean, we're talking about we, we got to slow it down. Game. He didn't play great last year. And I he mean, does he, one he had, thing well, Corey, he does one thing well, and you know it. That's it. And 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 that's fine because that is valuable. But yeah, he's, not a, a complete, a, he's not a complete receiver. Of course he isn't. But he's, he's, the best offense, he's the best offensive weapon they have, and it ain't close. It is but not the, close. But the point is, but, you can't that you can't build around what he does. His skill set is something that it comes up in games that don't in plays that a lot of times that don't matter. You know, it's just it's 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 a it's a it's a nice trick, but it's a one trick, and you can't build an offense around that. I'm gonna need you to block sometime too, and none of them do. I <laughs> uh, just what listen. a wonderful start to this show. I, well, I will I will are say you supposed to act like. Losing to Georgia Tech is okay. No, no, no. I'm just, folks, buckle in, buckle up. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be an hour and a half more well, of this. But you can say that about the year. It's going to be a long year because the other part of what Ira just said, and we, we got all hour to talk. We do have to take breaks. The only thing I say is this yes, those running backs are going to get you whatever's there, but you know what they can't do? They can't run block. That's a terrible defensive line they just faced. Now, they were much better in pass blocking. Much better in pass blocking, and as long as the starting five were out there, once those guys started getting hurt, then you saw the lack of depth, and they all got taken advantage of. But man, they can't run block. They didn't get a surge. So if you don't have Cam Akers making people miss and running over people, or Dalvin Cook setting people up and then turning the corner, holy moly, this could be a disaster. Because you'll be one dimensional when you get off the bus. We'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for more. ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminal Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminal Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. So the screen game worked, guys. I think we should start this segment with the screen game. Like, can you run a screen on every play? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Kind of incorporates, uh, A, a pass that James can throw, uh, B, you know, a lot of times defenses will allow you to catch that one. Uh, now, you may not make anybody miss because we don't break a lot of tackles around here and, and do anything special. Um, but but it's certainly not going to be second and 13 each time. Maybe you, maybe you can set up second and eight. A bunch of screen passes. It was, it was odd that they, they – it's like they knew who James Blackman was when the game started. And we're going to do a lot of short, quick passes, get the ball out of his hands where he doesn't even have a read. It's a one – He's got one target. Get the ball to him and let the guys go block and make plays. And then as the game devolved, they didn't do that anymore. Or they rarely did it. Aslan had the stat, or Aslan didn't have the stat. It was in pro football focus. Like, James was 20 of 22 on throws under 10 yards and 3 of 17 on throws above 10 yards. Now, two of those were drops, but a lot of those weren't close. They He just throws it up. You know, I even think the ball that Terry dropped was over the wrong shoulder, and Terry made a good adjustment and then just plopped it into the ground. But there, there's no accuracy at all above down 10 yards down the field. So why even do it? Yeah, but you can't throw five-yard passes for 
Sure, you can. What? What? Okay. Uh, can you drop him back and say read the defense? I'm not. I'm not saying that was the right answer either. If I'm just James Black you is your quarterback, you, you can't. I'm just saying, Corey, you can't. I mean, okay, they're not going to let you just catch screens all day in in five yard outs all day. I mean, prove I, it then. Make okay. them stop it. Did they well, stop they one? They will. I think. I, I, Good. I, I, Let's see it happen though, right? Well, like, I, do I it until they don't will. stop. Until they stop it. I tell you who will Miami. Well, sure. <laughs> Yeah, Georgia Tech to... wasn't though. Georgia Tech was 0 for eight on them. Yeah, and then I, stopped doing it. I think you you can argue they went away too soon. Uh, even the little little dumps, even the little throws to Terry on the sideline, not big plays, six yeah. yards. The quick game. No, uh, they should have done that. They they started doing that late. They should have done that earlier. I agree with that. Even when they got two in a row on it, they stopped. They didn't well, do it anymore. I, I think that, he, he also he's also limping between every play. So well, he is. He's yeah. gutting it out. <laughs> I won't even comment. Uh, I, I just, I wonder, you know, this sounds without question. It's not an understatement. I get it. It sounds terribly bleak. You're listening to this. You want to hear hope. But I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to give you hope if I don't see it. I think they're better coached. I think what limited time that I spent on the 50, on the first row, watching them come off the field, watching them talk to players, I know, Ira, you were sideline watching. We all could see it on the, on the television broadcast as the game went on, all the times that the coaches had to go up to individual players and, and talk to them, even specifically Norbell talking to James Blackman. I thought he was very even keel. He clearly, one, one revelation to me in watching closely their interaction was that Norbell was very calm and measured, trying to get James to calm down, trying to get James to understand that, hey, mistakes happen, it's okay. But when he asked James questions, he was not getting answers that he wanted. He, I remember, I, we, we always do this because it's the last time Florida State had any success, but we, we think back to the way Jimbo, a former quarterback himself, an offensive mind, talked to quarterbacks. I remember him telling me before that one of the great things about an offseason when you're transitioning with quarterbacks is that you get to ask them a lot of questions, especially post-spring when they're working seven-on-seven seven with summer and things that this group did not get to do together at all because of COVID, which is a real problem. Uh, was that you could ask them questions and there were certain answers you wanted to get back that would, would reveal to you that they understood concept, understood, understood scheme and why. And if you didn't get those answers, then you could either address it immediately when you did get together or you could start thinking about another guy. Uh, and one of the things that you know led him to Christian Ponder were the wrong answers when he was talking to the other quarterbacks. Well, you know they didn't get to do that and now he knows from talking to James in this game he got a lot of wrong answers. Either James wasn't seeing what he needed to see, he wasn't cool and measured when responding. Uh, there, were, the fourth down play, the, the disaster at the end. There's an open receiver in the middle of the field. James was never going to see him because all he was ever going to see was the rush. All he was ever going to think about was trying to run. He was never going to stop and make that throw. Just like early in the game, he was never going to stand in the pocket when he had one to make sure that he went through his progressions. It was never going to happen. Once they got off a script, anyhow. And so, I, you know, I, I can Rodemaker do worse? I think the only fear that you would have in starting him is that you could ruin him the same way James has been ruined. I, I, I guess that's fair. Yeah, I mean, that is fair because that happened in 17, uh, that, that James got beat up and has never really – we don't know what he would have been if he would have gotten the normal tutelage and then the normal time to not be the starter – um, he might have turned out to be a good co- or at least a serviceable quarterback. So you don't know if you throw Rodemaker out his first ever game 
at Miami, which is a good team, in a rivalry game where he's he's never played before, he's never played a college snap. If that if that uh, completely uh, thwarts stunts. his his oh, yeah. yeah stunts his growth. So uh, in the, when when you bring up Blackman and we we bring up the receivers again, it's it's it is other than the drops and some other things. I'm not ready after one game to say these guys aren't any good. It's so hard to judge a receiving core when that's thrown to them. And I remember because and Michael Vick was a fine NFL quarterback, but he wasn't good for receivers. And I remember Roddy White, everybody in Atlanta killed Roddy White because he wasn't a good receiver. Michael Jenkins, they're terrible. Well, all of a sudden, Matt Ryan comes in and starts throwing the ball on time to guys as they come out of the break, and Roddy White's an all-pro for four or five straight years. It does matter when you're running your routes and you don't you are open, you do get leverage and you don't get the ball or you don't get the ball on time and then you get killed by a safety. That that I mean, so I think there's a chance still even though Warren Thompson is in everybody's doghouse, there's a chance that guy might be something. Might be. We'll see. I know. It's one start though. You don't want to be too Keyshawn Helton had one catch. You you don't want to be too react I think Keyshawn Helton's a good player. Even that touchdown is late and not thrown well. So let's see if there's another quarterback, how they grow with them. Because maybe there is some potential there at the receiving receiver I mean, position. I mean, it's possible. I mean, the thing I would say about Warren Thompson, though, is, you know, he's never had to make catches that matter. I mean, you know, he's never had to make plays. Uh, you know, he's never had to, to compete for a ball. And that's the thing. That's the thing I think we're tell, saying to you about Tamari. And it's just I just don't think, you know, there's difference between being a, a big and strong and fast and then actually competing and winning 50-50 balls and, and, and using your body to fight somebody off uh, and competing. And I just, you don't see that a lot from that position. And that's, you know, and, and so to expect Warren Tom, now maybe if you have a quarterback that you believe in, that guys rally around, sometimes guys raise their level of play, uh, and that's certainly possible. Um, but the bottom line is with what they have at receiver, with what they have at running back, and what they have on the offensive line, they have to be good at quarterback. And that's the problem. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Continuing Seminole Headlines. Had a little glitch there, guys. That's nobody's fault. That's a uh, power surge, traffic light, entire building. Everything went dark here. It is uh, the bane of Tallahassee. It happens rather frequently, uh, at least where we're located. This is a kind of fitting uh, after talking about the game we just watched. <laughs> Yeah, uh, power kind of went out. I, I think the hard part, guys, and what we were probably going to to continue to vet, and, and I mean, I get it from the fans' perspective, the frustration has got to be overwhelming. I, at times, struggle to watch this team and remain uh, objective because uh, I am passionate too. Uh, I think the hard part, though, I'm also pragmatic. I'm also a realist. Given what we saw, man, this is going to be a really difficult season if – if this was a season that you expected to see eight, nine wins, because I don't, I think we're seeing a lot of, of problems that don't just stem from personnel. There are personnel issues without question. And we were in the process of going over that, but I do think not getting spring when you're installing in a new offense and a new defense and not getting longer looks at guys uh, going live against one another, like a spring game would have provided really set this group back. And then they didn't get a summer together other than Zooms. So a lot of the changes that you might have been able to identify that needed to be made are are being identified in games. And, you know, it's going to be tough to judge 
you know, what's fair to say about this staff? What's what's unfair to say? And how what you know, what does patience look like in a year where, I mean, goodness gracious, now you got Miami, and other than Jacksonville State, you've got losses staring you in the face at Notre Dame, North Carolina, and Louisville. I mean, you can really see a scenario by which because you didn't get the Georgia Tech win, that you're staring at a you know a a, a one in four start very easily. Um, it, it it maybe even a one in five start. It's it, it's almost hard to argue otherwise right now, unless you think, and it's entirely possible that they're going to take a huge leap forward because they get this bye week and they get two weeks to work together again. Two weeks isn't going to change the fact that they have no depth on the offensive line and what they do have at starting five is marginal. They don't really have an ideal situation at all at running back or quarterback. Uh, you know, I I don't know what's fair to expect is, I guess, what I'm getting at. Well, I think one thing that's kind of interesting is, is the discussion about, like, internal expectations, internal conversations versus external. Um, you know, a lot of the times I think that when Mike Norvell spoke about this team, he used a lot of the really strong adjectives that might've made people feel like kind of the way Willie Taggart did. I mean, he would talk about guys having spectacular camps and phenomenal uh, preseasons and things like that. Now he never said they were phenomenal football players or that they were exceptional athletes, but he said they were having a great camp. They were doing what they expected of him. Um, My concern after that game was, are these guys going to be so mad that, again, they did everything a coach asked them to do and they didn't have success? Or are they going to be so disappointed that that they start to waver and you lose that kind of that buy-in? I think something he said that was interesting on his coach's show Monday night was that he never said those things internally. You know, it was never like, hey, guys, if you just do what we say, we're going to beat everybody on our schedule or we're going to be a championship team or we're going to kick Clemson's butt. Like, that was never what he said to the team. Now, I don't know what they, how they took what he was saying, but I think that's an important distinction if it's true because I think that's this is where this program is. Obviously, they need to grow. They need to develop. They need, it's going to take time. My concern after that game was, did, will the kids believe that and will they care? And, and if that's true, and from what, you know, just talking to some people around the team, it does sound like that, these kids have still bought into this staff, then at least then you'll see progress throughout the season. And that's more important than anything else right now. I think it's more important than what any of us thought during the summer. Yeah. And you can, you can take the nine wins or eight wins and just toss it out the window that that ain't happening, but it would be nice to see a Florida state team better in November than it was in September. Like worlds, teams do that, right? We watch enough sports to see teams grow and some teams that start out. zero and two, uh, you know, I know this isn't doesn't have near the talent that that Ohio State team did, but that Ohio State team lost to a bad Virginia Tech team and then won the national championship. Like teams get better, they make strides, and it would be nice to see. It would be nice to see a big gro- growth from re- week game one to game two. And I want to see what they look like against Duke at the end of the year. Not because I care if they beat Duke, but see if they're better, man. See if some of the stuff you've instilled is is paid off. I, I think so much is clouded, and it's not fair. It is fair. Whatever. He started 30 games. So much about our perspective of this season is clouded by the quarterback because nobody just wants to see him play anymore. Like, that 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 was so reminiscent of everything we'd seen the last two or three years. But there were other things that weren't. And I'll bring up – I'm trying to find some silver lining here. The defense wasn't good at all. They did get two stands when they needed to. 
after a terrible fumble where they were returned into the inside Florida State's 20-yard line, they bow up and force another field goal. Last year, that's a touchdown probably in two plays. They did fight. They did get a stop. They also got them the ball back with two minutes left. I don't know if that happens last year. No, I was going to say that that definitely doesn't happen. So that was good to see that the defense made some adjustments in the second half somehow and got a stop or two, and that the special teams was really good. So those are two things you can look at and say that's positive. Because if the special teams had been a disaster, after all we'd heard for the last eight months, I don't know that anybody would be buying Mike Norvell right now. Like, what? That's what it looks like? But he did change the special teams in, in one offseason. That's as good as they've looked in years. Well, that's, so that's good to see. That's indicative of coaching, by the way. Right, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's a really good indicator of coaching and buy-in. Well, Mike had sustained success and immediate success at Memphis. Uh, and, you know, I think he must have been took over a better program at Memphis without question. I think he must have also been sitting there on Saturday, noting to himself that his Memphis team from a year ago would have beat that Georgia tech team by four touchdowns. And I'm serious about that. Um, you know, he has to be thinking to himself, my God. And, you know, we documented. That would be funny if that's his internal thoughts. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. My what is this? That's like a drum. Um, I, I actually, watching him in the post game, listening to him carefully, and then looking at his face on the sideline as this game progressed, I couldn't help but think, you know, there's a guy that realizes that this is not going to be easy. There's a guy that realizes there are really bad habits that have been woven throughout the fabric of this team, and the undoing of that is going to take an awful lot. And that's why I'll continue to go back. I want to see the same growth you're talking about, Corey, as the season goes on. Nobody wants to hear this, but ironically, he's in a similar position, not the same, but similar position in terms of what people wanted to see in year one, Jeff Collins, Georgia Tech takes over a program in disarray, has to flip what they're doing, and they weren't going to get wins. But were they going to fight? Could he change culture? Would they continue to play hard? What was indicated in a 3-9 and nine campaign was that when they beat Miami, they showed they were still playing hard. They were still a team that wasn't going to give up, and they were going to continue to fight while they went through this process. It sucks while you're going through it, but if you can find little things from week to week where you show that they're still bought in, still attempting to get better every week and playing hard for one another and they're organized, um, you know, you can, okay, you can, they can become endearing in some ways. I, I hear myself talking and I think this should never be the case at Florida State. It should never be the case where you're the little engine that could. It should never be the case where we're sitting around talking about moral victories. But that is where they are. Myriad reasons as to why, but that's where they are. And man, if you can't run the ball and you don't have a lot of options or experience behind James Blackman and you're playing Miami, Notre Dame, North Carolina, Louisville, Clemson, Pitt, and their defensive line all in the same season, well, you're going to lose a lot of football games. So the only thing you can hang your hat on hopefully, is improvement from week to week and, and, and signs of buy-in. Yeah, you know, I still think if, if the – Corey's point earlier, if the quarterback changes and you get quality play out of the quarterback, it can change a lot, um, especially with an offensive line that we think is going to be serviceable. Uh, if all the, <clears throat> Excuse me. If all those guys come back healthy, 
uh, and most of them came back in that game. I think uh, Devontae Love Taylor, who I thought I was pretty impressed with, by the way, he left, came back, and then left again. He wasn't in there at the end. Um, but uh, if they have the group, Brady Scott like, was in there, boys. Brady Scott was in there. If they have the group that they like, then uh, then I think you know, and if you get better quarterback play, that can change a lot. And if the defense, again, I think there's potential for the defense, as I said at the beginning, just from the sense of you do have guys up front that can beat blocks. If they can play together and be more controlled um, and work together, I think there's potential there. On the back end, I think there's still potential there, Once, especially once you get Hams and Nasrul Dean back. That's going to be huge, Ira. I was just about to say, Nasrul Dean helps this defense immensely. They don't get a lot from certain guys on this defense that continue to play. Uh, but Nasrul Dean is a good player. They got to get him back big time. I, I do wonder this, though. I, they're not going to get much better at defensive end. I, I, you know, I we wonder, well, we did wonder if all the talk in camp about what we, you know, we, we talked about it before that, and I don't want to rip on a kid who got hurt, but he wasn't making plays before that. Now he, they were getting the ball out of Sims hands. And I do think he could have continued to help set the edge. So, but man, he's, they don't have anybody twitchy off the edge unless you're rushing Amari Gaynor. Let's just put it that way. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's what we thought. I mean, we, we did think Kendo would be, you'd expected more from him, but but I, I do think early in that game, they seemed very concerned about Jeff Sims running the ball. Um, and so maybe as the game went on, they started trying to come, come after him more. Maybe he would have had more of an impact. I don't know. I mean, I said it last week. I didn't know how Kendo would do over the course of a game or over the course of a season. Obviously, he's an athletic guy, and, he's, and, he, and he was healthy, and he was committed. So those were all positives, but you didn't know how it was going to play. I was still a bit, a bit of a wild card. Uh, the, the young kid, Josh Griffiths, I think has some potential. Um, but no, that defensive end position is not going to be a strength. Um, so to your point, it's going to be a concern. The other cornerback spot, going back to Johnny and Jones, you know, we all thought the reason if he won that job, beat out Akeem Dent, beat out uh, Isaiah Bold and all these other guys and won that job, that while he must be really good, um, you watch that game, even when Akeem Dent was in there, he didn't do a whole lot either. So you kind of felt like maybe that may have just been whoever won was a battle of attrition. So so they may not be very good at that cornerback spot either. Although George Tech kept throwing it to Asante Samuel for some reason. So maybe teams will keep doing that. Probably not. I think they'll probably get the message and throw to the other side. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, whatever. There's whole, I think Hamps is, I think Hamps is a huge part of this team. I mean, he's a, he's an NFL guy. Um, I, so it, it is, they don't have a ton of them. So getting one back would be a huge deal. Um, I didn't really see much out of Travis J and on defense. He didn't stand out a lot. I'm not saying he didn't play well. I just didn't see a lot from him. Uh, but I like him in the return game, and I'd put him at quarterback. I would do – the only way you're going to run the ball this year is to have a mobile quarterback. That's the only I, way you're going to do it. I agree with That's that. it. So um, figure out something, whether it's Chubba, whether it's Jordan Travis, whether it's Wild J, figure out something and, uh, and try something different. Do you think, by the way, they would do it? Because, Corey, yes. you, you, you mentioned Travis J. Ira, yesterday on the show, you kind of floated it out there. Tom, Oh, did you really? You were looking for a little Travis J at quarterback? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been saying well, this since last season. Well, you know what's kind of funny is uh, after the game, um, or during the game, pretty late in the game, uh, Tom and I were texting back and forth like, would you try Travis J at quarterback? I mean, I think that's the level of desperation everybody feels right now, where you're like, well, listen, they don't have anybody right now that you can trust to sit back there, make reads, and stand in the pocket and throw the ball accurately. If you're not ready to ruin Tate Rodemaker and 
you're going to wait on Trevor Purdy to come back, and hopefully that's expedited, by the way. Um, you know, in the interim, you, you got to fake it till you make it, and you do so with some gimmicky nonsense, but I, I would do it to establish some sort of run game. I, I don't know what else they can do. Well, Corey, I was I was thinking about because you met you brought this up a couple weeks ago, I think either on this show or Wake Up, but you you brought up the comment I made about Buster Posey a quarterback back in the day. Like they'd be better off with Buster Posey a quarterback, just because when you watch that game, if you just had a competitive athlete at quarterback, it would it give you a chance. It gives you a chance on those. How many times did Jeff Sims convert a first down yeah, just because he was just because he was a competitive athlete? I mean, he could have got stopped a yard short. But no, yeah. he knew where the first down marker was, and he got that yard. He knew he's playing. He's playing the game. He's playing the game to win, not just doing his assignments. And that's they don't have that at quarterback. It's a good point. We need to take a break, but it's funny you bring that up because in golf, a lot of times you can play golf swing and not golf. Right. And you can sit out there thinking about golf swing on every swing, but you're not playing golf. You're playing golf swing. I think sometimes James is playing. You know, don't make a mistake. Uh, you know, he, he's worried about mechanics. He's worried about where he is. He's worried about the rush. He's never playing football. He's not just playing yeah. football. You never see like he's relaxed playing the game. It's the same it's, thing when I'm dancing. Like when I, there are steps. <laughs> there are steps when you're dancing that you're supposed to do. But sometimes you just got to feel the music. You just got to. You just got to dance. You don't want to be technical. You, you don't have to be technical all the time. You feel the beat. You have it run through you. Go be a jazz musician. Go Please. Do, just yeah. go do something. Yeah. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wrapping up the hour, of course, momentarily we'll get the headliner questions. I know we're all pumped for that. There are a lot, a lot of them. Positi- a lot of yeah. positivity in the headliner questions, I would guess. Most people are feeling like, okay, saw what I needed to see. Here <laughs> yeah. we go. Here sure. we go. Uh I do think there is a chance. I don't know what kind of limb I'm willing to go out on here, but I do think there's a decent chance that they surprise us and remain competitive into the second half against Miami because of the extra time that they're going to get here. We shouldn't be having, we we shouldn't be doing shows like this. We're going to be surprised that they're in the second half of a game against a team that went six and seven last year. (laughs) Yes. Isn't that just gross? We we deserve better than this. Well, what can you do, Corey? What can you do, buddy? It's not going to change overnight. You I can't mean, snap I, your fingers and make it change. It feels like it changed overnight in the wrong direction. Be the change you want to see in the world, Corey. I know, man. Let's I go. know. It's just it's depressing when we talk about stuff like this. I almost want to talk about basketball because at least they bring in big-time five-star recruits and they have some positive momentum, Actually, and they're really good. Yeah, here's the point, though. Uh, Ira and Corey both, since you guys both work for Warchant.com, and uh, that website certainly covers recruiting. Uh, I, I, I am concerned about this. He's got to get better players. Yeah, he's got to find a way to recruit some of those better players and convince them to say yes to him in the midst of losing football games. That's going to be a challenge since he's not considered an elite recruiter, and his staff isn't considered to be filled with a lot of connected people in the state of Florida. Right, so. My, that is an overriding concern that you've got a guy who can be a great teacher. You've got a guy who I think can motivate, motivate and get kids to do things the right way. You've got a guy with, with competent players who I think uh, will be able to put them in positions to succeed. But right now, you don't have a lot of those things in working in your favor, and yet you still got to go out 
while you steady get your head kicked in every week and find a way to convince kids to say yes. Kids that make a difference. Kids like LaMarcus Joyner. Uh, kids, you know, like Timmy Jernigan, Telvin Smith. Kids that changed an entire program, that, that convinced others to come with them, to take a chance on Jimbo, to do what, you know, to begin that climb. It takes a few few guys that can be difference makers on game day, but be difference makers in the locker room, the way they work every day at practice. And I, you know, maybe he'll do it, but that is going to be really difficult when you're losing football games on the heels of three consecutive years of losing football games. Yeah. I mean, you know, going really the mantra for most of this off season was, man, just let them play a few games, let them show some of the improvement that they made um, and then you go out there and play like that and you feel like it's almost counterproductive. Um, so I think that is going to be a challenge, but they look, man, I mean, the reality is he's got to walk a fine line here because the advantage Jimbo had, and again, we compare a lot of these things to Jimbo. He was the time, head coach but, waiting. He could well, go out. Yeah. And the, yeah. During those three years, he could, he could go to recruits and say, look, man, we need players. We don't have players right now. Um, We've got to get some guys who can win football games. And so during those three years, he could be recruiting and he could talk to us off the record and he could talk to people and just say, look, man, there's no talent here. We've got to flip this roster. He got those conversations as an assistant coach. It was kind of an outsider coming in. He didn't recruit any of those kids. So the challenge for Mike Norvell is he's the head coach. Now these are all his guys. He didn't, even if he didn't recruit them, they're his guys. He has to try to convince them that he believes in them. He can't be dogging them to us. He's got to talk them up as much as he can to try to get the most out of them as he can. Meanwhile, he's got to go sell to these recruits that, look, you can see there's opportunities for playing time. So that works to a degree. For a struggling football team can sell that, hey, look, man, you can see what we've got at running back. You can play from day one. Like the kid, you know, everybody talks about Jeff Sims. The other big D commitment they had was Jalen Knighton, the kid, the freshman at Miami. I mean, he's a difference maker. Um, he would look really, he would have helped a lot on Saturday. Um, but so that's the pitch you've got right now is he can go to recruits and say, look, and he can't say it publicly, but he can go to recruits and high school coaches and say, look, man, we've got opportunities for playing right now. You're not gonna have to go compete. We need playmakers. So that's gotta be his spiel. Um, and then show improvement that would help. But yeah, the idea that he's going to be able to sell instant success or a positive play on the field right now, it doesn't seem like that's something something he's going to be able to sell. Corey, I think we know what needs to be done, and you and I are usually on the same page here. Pancakes. I think we can incentivize recruiting here. We can help out. We can give kids added reasons to choose Florida State over some other options. Absolutely. And I don't understand what Norvell's doing, but it needs to start immediately. It needs to start immediately. I want to start seeing Florida State on the radar for some of these five-star super-duper recruits. Well, and that, that's, going to take, that's going to take a whole community coming together. Yeah, a community. It's not just of, you and I. It's a community right. of of people that care about the program. How like much do you care about the program? Yeah, like-minded folks who'd want to make a difference. And well, look, you represent a company with 97.9. Obviously, we have War Chant. The 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 national the image and likeness stuff is coming up. We're gonna have to start offering these recruits a lot of money to sponsor our product. <laughs> I don't, you know, headlines. We we could use we could use that bump too. <laughs> And tell them, look, I don't know what the going rate, Ira. We've we've had disagreements on what the going rate is for like a star quarterback or a star offensive tackle. What would it take for us to get a star offensive tackle? Us being Seminole headlines to come to commit to Florida State. Is that 
$60,000? Is it $30,000 in a car? Is it a job for a parent? Is it a, what, what do we have to do? You'll, you'll know things are about to flip in the right direction for recruiting when there are whispers, articles here and there, sort of vague accusations that put us in the same category as any number of coaches we've seen in the South over the years. Sure. That uh, re- routinely find themselves the subject of ire amongst other coaching uh, and, and fan bases, right? Yeah. So, you know, maybe it, maybe it starts to happen sooner rather than later, but they're going to have to flip the roster. There's no doubt. And it's going to be hard to flip when, when you're losing football games like this. Headliner questions forthcoming. Stay with. Seminal headlines will take a breather. More next. 